Welcome to the Two Journeys podcast. This is Sanctification Monday. My name is Andy Davis. In this podcast, we will seek to answer the question, what is spiritual maturity? And we believe that spiritual maturity can be broken into four main sections, knowledge, faith, character, and action. So we've been in the fourth section, action, for a while. We're looking at the habit patterns of the Christian life, what the kinds of things that God calls us to do. We define action as habitual obedience. So obedience because everything that we do physically in the body, all the works that we do, we do in response to commands that God's given us. Habitual means that we do them uh, over and over and build up or develop godly habits. So we're going to be looking uh, today at ministry to Christians, ministry to Christians. And so the idea here is that God has left us on earth to do good works, which he prepares in advance for us to do. And a good portion of the works that we do are directed toward other Christians, to people, to build them up in their walk with Christ, to help them in their internal journey, their infinite journey of growth in Christ-likeness. Now, the church, there are different images of the church in the Bible. but One of the most beautiful is that of a building, a spiritual structure, a temple rising, it says in Ephesians 2, to become a dwelling place in which God lives by His, uh, lives by his Spirit. 1 Peter 2 gives a corresponding image of we, all of us, like living stones being built into a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices through Jesus Christ. So if you put that together, we ourselves are building materials. We are living stones in this spiritual structure that's rising to become more and more glorious. But we are also workers in that structure. We are called on to use our efforts, our spiritual gifts, our ministries, to build up other Christians to full maturity, to make the temple, the spiritual temple of the church, more and more glorious. An image uh, that was in my mind as I wrote the book, An Infinite Journey, was that of the Taj Mahal, which I've never seen. been to India a number of times, but I've never seen the Taj Mahal, but I've read about it. It was built in 1648 uh, as a tribute to, uh, by a mogul in India to his dead wife, Mumtaz. And it's apparently exquisite in its architecture, uh, in its decorations. There are precious gems in the wall that were set in there in the shape of a, f a flower in which there are maybe more than 30 precious gems in, in one square inch, so perfectly fitted together that it's like glass, almost like a piece of glass. And you can't, you can't feel the difference from one gem to the other, but it looks like a beautiful uh, wild flower. Anyway, this... this uh, this mogul ruler wanted to build this structure, the Taj Mahal, to remember his beloved dead wife. As we think about the, the glory and the beauty of the spiritual structure, uh, which is in another place, another image called the Bride of Christ, the church, Jesus Christ is actually making us to be radiant and glorious and beautiful, a more beautiful structure, uh, if we could see it that way, than any building that's ever been built on earth. And every generation, the temple of the body of Christ, the temple of the church becomes more and more glorious. You know, Jesus said in John 14 uh, that he was leaving earth to go return to the Father, and he said, I go to, to prepare a place for you. 
In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. But what's interesting in the fuller teaching in the New Testament is Jesus not only prepares a place for us, but prepares us to be the place. And so those two images are both true. So as we grow in spiritual maturity, we're going to grow more and more focused on doing our part to beautify the church of Jesus Christ. And that's all about people. It's not about anything physical. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that everything physical will be destroyed at some point. The heavens, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. Every element that there is will be destroyed and rebuilt or remade into a new heaven and new earth. So the spiritual structure that's rising, the church is made up of people. It's made up of the souls of individuals. I know that we use the word church, like we're going to meet at the church or go to church, etc. And we think about a physical structure, but we shouldn't, when it comes to the, the church of Jesus Christ, think of a spiritual structure with living stones that are being quarried, if you could use that living stone image, they're being quarried out of Satan's dark kingdom and transferred into the kingdom of the beloved son. Uh, the quarrying is the external journey of evangelism and missions. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prove stronger than it. And so the ideas of a walled dark uh, empire or dark fortress and the church is being sent over the walls on a commando raid to rescue living stones, people from uh, Satan's dark kingdom through evangelism and through missions to see that those new living stones are set in the walls of Christ's ever-growing, ever more glorious church. And so as we get involved in evangelism and missions, we're involved really in spiritual architecture. And so we believe that God uses our works, our good works, to build up the church. He has prepared us for good works every day. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. And then that's in Ephesians 2.10. He then says two chapters later in Ephesians 4 that it was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Putting all that together, there are spiritually gifted individuals or have been in church history. Apostles and prophets gave us the word of God. Evangelists take it across the miles and deliver it to people who've never heard of Christ. And pastor teachers set up shop in a locality, in a local church, and build up the body of Christ so that the body of Christ is then empowered and enabled to do works of service, good works, through which the entire body of Christ is built up. And so that's the delivery of the Word of God. Pastor teachers teach it. The apostles and prophets gave it to us. The missionaries delivered it geographically to various regions. And then the people of God, through their individual works of service, build up the body of Christ. So what that means is part of sanctification, part of growth, is for you as a Christian to do good works to build up the church, the body of Christ, to be interested in the overall glory, the final glory of the church of Jesus Christ. Now to that end, we need to understand spiritual gifts. Now right now I'm preaching through uh, 1 Corinthians in my church and going uh, line by line, verse by verse through that. And we're in the three chapters, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, which talks about spiritual gifts. 
Now, spiritual gifts are special abilities given to individual members of the body of Christ, individual Christians, which enable that Christian to do works of ministry toward other Christians and also toward non-Christians, but who are elect and who will become Christians through their evangelism, etc. Spiritual gift ministries to build up the body of Christ to full maturity. So putting it simply, spiritual gifts are special abilities for ministry. They're given by the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father and the Son and the Spirit work together to choose a, what I would call a spiritual gift package, a grouping of abilities which enable a person, a man or woman, to do specific ministries. Now that package of spiritual gifts is unique to you, somewhat like your fingerprint or like your body chemistry. Uh, it has to do with your personality, with even your secular training, some circumstances you've been through in life, uh, which have honed you and shaped you to do specific patterns of ministry. So for me, I'm called to be the senior pastor, the lead pastor or preaching pastor of a local church. Uh, in, in, a, in order to be enabled to do a ministry like that, I need to have a certain number of abilities. Uh, among them are the abilities to articulate the Word of God, to preach, to teach, but also administration, leadership, vision, casting, other types of things. And I have some of those abilities to a greater and to a lesser degree, but there's a whole package. Every individual Christian has a spiritual gift package. That's why it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's in Ephesians 6. And so it also says in, in 1 Corinthians 12 that God's grace has been given to each one of us. Every, every individual Christian has a spiritual gift ministry that God has in mind. Isn't that marvelous? To think that Christ has evaluated you and has measured out a spiritual gift package for you. It's by the metron, the measure or the apportioning of Christ, it says in Ephesians 4. It, each of the gifts are given in 1 Corinthians 12 as the Spirit determines. So Jesus and the Spirit, obviously in perfect harmony with one another, work together and have considered you and have measured out for you an arrangement of spiritual gifts to enable you to minister within the body of Christ. And that's very exciting. The question you have to ask about yourself is, what is your spiritual gift ministry? What are you called to do? Another passage that talks about it is Romans 12. And there, there's an image of a body with many members, um, and the members don't all have the same function. Paul uses the same image in 1 Corinthians 12. So there's a hand, a foot, an eye. There's different functions in the body. And so he says in Romans 12, if one's gift is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give diligently. If it is leadership, let him govern, govern faithfully, etc. There's certain patterns of ministry. Now, you may not know what your spiritual gift package is or what your spiritual gift ministry is. Maybe you're a relatively new Christian or maybe you never really got good teaching on spiritual gifts. I would commend to you Romans 12, 1 through 8, which is a step-by-step -step process by which you can evaluate yourself. You can present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the Word of God so you can test and prove God's will for you. You don't think too highly or too lowly of yourself, but think of yourself with sober judgment. And then through the evaluation given by the Spirit and by the body of Christ, by a local church, you can find out what your gifts are, what your role is. So that's part of sanctification is to find your spiritual gift ministry and do it.
Now, beyond spiritual gifts, there are also just general commands given to all Christians and things we should be doing for one another. Now, let me stop and just give a pitch right now for why every individual uh, Christian should be a covenant member of a healthy local church. Every Christian should be a covenant member of a healthy local church. What is a healthy church? Well, I like Mark Dever's ministry, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, and he does a great job describing what makes up a healthy church. There are lots of local churches that are not healthy. There are lots of local churches that are dying. They're in the, in the final stages. They've got terminal illness, spiritual terminal illness, and the Lord Jesus will remove the lampstand of those local churches. He's done it for 20 centuries. Uh, there are other churches that are healthy and are flourishing, and some are healthier than others. You want to definitely find a healthy church, but you want to be a covenant member of that, of that healthy church, and what that means is you're committed. It's, it's lower in commitment to, uh, than, than a marriage, but the, a marriage is a covenant relationship where you stand before God and witnesses, and you agree agree together to be husband and wife. And so that's what I mean by covenant. You agree to be a member of that local church and they agree to care for you. They agree to use their spiritual gifts to help you grow and you agree to use your spiritual gifts to help that local church uh, to flourish. But you need to be part of a local church. And if you were to ask me, you know, why uh, do you think that that's essential to me, I would give you both a negative and a positive reason. Uh, negatively, in Hebrews 3, uh, verse uh, 12, 12 and 13, it says, um, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one of the daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So the idea there is we have indwelling sin. We've talked about many times in Sanctification Monday. We need brothers and sisters in Christ who know us well enough to see that we're drifting in the Christian life, that we're seeing sin patterns developing in our lives. They know who we are. They have a baseline of our behavior, perhaps. And they, they, they can see that there's a hardening process going on in our lives through sin. You can only have that if you're in a healthy church of brothers and sisters that actually care about your spiritual welfare enough to tell you the truth and get involved in your life, hold you accountable. So you need to have brothers and sisters who will be committed to you and you also committed to them. So that's negatively why you should be a covenant member of a healthy church. Positively, in Hebrews 10, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not neglecting meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So that gives the more positive reason why you should be a covenant member of a healthy local church so that you can maximize your love and good deeds. You can store up as much treasure as possible by doing as many good deeds as possible. And if you're in a really good church with good preaching, good teaching, with good brothers and sisters around you who are active in ministry, you're, you're going to be more fruitful. You're going to get involved and piggyback on ministries that are existing that were started even before you got to that church and you'll do some of those ministries or you'll start new ministries. Maybe you're a visionary leader yourself, but there'll be people who'll come alongside you and help you with the finances. They'll help you with, with labor, with gifts of service and other things. In any case, you're going to be much richer on Judgment Day with uh, just an, uh, a bunch of rewardable good works if you're part of a healthy local church where the Word of God is flowing. So having said that, once you're a covenant member of a healthy local church, then there's all kinds of ministries that you can do that aren't even connected to your spiritual gift.
uh, ministry. Spiritual gift has to do with flourishing in a certain area, not merely functioning. But there are a lot of things that we do, I wouldn't say merely functioning, but we're just being obedient to the Word of God, and there are things we do for one another, even if it's not our spiritual gift. For example, we can intercede for one another. We can pray for each other. Uh, we can rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We can celebrate life's little successes and spiritual successes. We can, um, we can give financially to one another. We can care for each other's needs financially. Even if your gift isn't giving, you still can give financially. You can, you can help when you see a brother or sister that has a need, a financial need. Um, we can, as I've already mentioned, hold each other accountable in, in matters of discipleship. Uh, men can meet up with men, and women can meet up with women in terms of discipleship. You can do that as well. Um, we can uh, thank one another for things. That's encouraging. When you see the, uh, somebody who has done something, you can, you can um, just live in harmony with each other, sharing life together. Uh, you can serve people. You can find a need. You find out that somebody's got a certain need. Because even if your gift isn't the gift of being a servant, you know, that behind-the-scenes spiritual gift, still we can serve for another. We can, we can carry each other's burdens if, if there's something that's uh, going on in somebody's life. We can gather together and join with each other in corporate worship and sing with one another. So there's so many one another verses. All you have to do is just look up the phrase one another and you see there's like 25 different verses that say what local churches do for one another. So today we have talked about ministry that we do to other Christians. We've described this beautiful spiritual temple that's rising. It's been rising for thousands of years in the Lord. The church of Jesus Christ made up of living stones people who have been redeemed by faith in the blood of Christ and who are becoming, if they're still alive, progressively more sanctified, progressively more glorious. If they've died, they're absent from the body, present with the Lord, but they're radiant spiritually in heaven, waiting for the resurrection. And this incredible spiritual temple is rising. And while we live on earth, it is given to us to do good works which tend toward to the perfection and the finalization of the body of Christ, of that spiritual dwelling place that's rising. So do those good works. Get involved in the local church. Do your spiritual gift ministry. Do all of the things that are part of a healthy church uh, membership uh, life, such as giving financially, praying, attending regularly, doing corporate worship, all of those things, taking part in the ordinances, Lord's Supper and baptism. You do all of those things so that the body of Christ can be built up to full maturity. So as we conclude today, go into your week knowing that God has gone ahead of you and will be using everything that you experienced this week to sanctify you and bring you more and more into conformity to Christ. Thank you for listening to this resource from twojourneys.org. Feel free to use and share this content to spread the knowledge of God and build His kingdom. Only we ask that you do so for non-commercial purposes and in accordance with the copyright policy found at twojourneys.org. Two Journeys exists to help Christians make progress in the two journeys of the Christian life, the internal journey of sanctification and the external journey of gospel advancement. We do this by exporting biblical teaching for the good of Christ's church and for the glory of God.